Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Getting started with vocal regression stuff. Um, as most of you know, I have to leave at noon, so we'll have a short class today. We certainly have enough time to finish this, so don't worry. I don't think anybody feel cheated of their tuition. No good. All right. Um, so we'll go for like half an hour today. And that's, this stuff is actually really dense. So in fact, after half an hour, you might, your brain might be full anyway. So last time we talked about basically simple one-to-one variable relationships. We have to split you two up? Who's this? Who's this? He's being mean. Is he? Don't you be mean. I don't know. You probably brought it on yourself. Um, so we're interested in simple one-to-one variable relationships. But let's say for some, and we, we hardly ever get a correlation like this, but let's pretend we get a correlation of 0.5. Those of you that do a lot of social or personality psychology should realize that that would be high and you would be jumping up and down. These are the kind of, the only thing, you, only kind of personality type variable you get a correlation on that high with is, is, an IQ, is IQ. Everything else is like 0.3 and people go apeshit. Yeah, yeah, 0.3 correlation. So a 0.5 correlation, you'd be pretty excited. So something like, uh, if you look at somebody's income and their IQ, it's about a 0.5 correlation. Okay? But if we get that, and we know that R equals the covariance between X and Y divided by the standard deviation of X and Y, time, uh, standard deviation of X times standard deviation of Y, that's just a thing, we know that, then that means... If we were to account for variance, how much variance in one variable is accounted for by variance in the other? In other words, sort of how much overlap there is. We're going to have to square this quantity to turn these into variances, right? Make sense? Because right now it's standard deviations. Let's turn it into variances. So we're going to square this thing. Um, So R deals with standard deviations, so we're going to have to square it to deal with make it variances. So R squared then is 0.25, because 0.5 squared is 0.25. Okay. Well, that's good. I guess. So where does that get us? Well, now we know we've accounted for 25% of the variance. And let's say, I think the example I'm going to use, well, I'll I'll use that as my very example, IQ and income. Because it is about a 0.5 correlation. So we can account for 25% of the variance in in average, for a whole group of people, in income by variance in their IQ. So the amount of variance that overlaps is 25%. Which is a lot. And in fact, it might make you think the world is somewhat just if it's that high. We should all make the same amount of money, occupy everything. Um, It does mean there's 75% left now, doesn't it? There's 75% we haven't explained. Hmm. Yeah, that 75% is caused by the man. Occupy everything. Um, just having some fun. I kind of half believe those things. Half. We are the 75%. Point five. Yeah, we are the 75%. Well played, sir. <laughs> that was really good. I'm glad you did that. Uh, so, ergo, which is Latin for therefore... You've learned something today. There must be other variables that account for the rest of the variance. 
There have to be. We may not know what the hell they are, but there have to be other ones out there. It's not magic. It's not like variants out of nowhere. There's got to be other variables that account for it. So what we want to do is account for as much of the variance in what we're predicting with variables that predict it. Okay? So we do this. There's an easy way to deal with this. We just bring those things into our model. Remember the original model? Uh, i got a marker here. The original model we tend to... For, for, for single, simple regression, is this. We can re-express this. There's a different way to write this, which is equivalent. I just, instead of saying A plus BX plus B, I said B sub 0 plus B sub 1X sub 1 plus E. This is the hat, right? Yep. White hat. White hat. Yeah, it's not a. It looks like an N. Yeah. Yeah. I think I asked, asked Alexandre uh, last year if it was Y circumflex or chapeau, and I don't. I, I can't remember his answer. But I know there's a friend of mine who's from. Who teaches at the University of Moncton? Uh, who will be at the conference? I'll be at next week, and I can ask him because this is something I have to know. I want it to be Chapel, and I'm sure it isn't, but I really want it to be. <laughs> and you know, if I I once applied for a job at the University of Moncton, and I said I could teach, I said it'll take a couple years for me to get enough vocabulary to teach stuff in my area, but I could teach statistics in French right now. It's not that hard. But I know I would have said Eclat Chapel. So we're going to bring these into the model. This we have, Here's a predictor variable. That's what that is. X1, we're just going to have more Xs. Okay. So if we've got Y, and that's what we're trying to predict, so I guess in this case it was, uh, it was income, right? Well, some of the variance, some of the, I don't know what the overlaps is what this is, is X1. X1 in our case was uh, IQ. What else could explain your income? What else? Another variable we can measure. Something we can measure. Think of something. Experience. Experience, sure. Experience. Work experience. Actually, the number of years on the job. Sure, that makes sense. Or, JJ, we've got another idea? Physical location. Physical location, sure. So that's something. And we could maybe, how would we do that? I don't know. How about uh, using uh, degrees of latitude? Because if you're too far north, there's no jobs. And too far south, there's no jobs, right? Because there's no jobs in the North Pole except for Santa. And the jobs at the South Pole is all about penguins. There's nothing there. You're killing Dave back there. He's in some reason just killing him. Um, so let's say that works. The best way to get a job is, you know, I don't know, there's some maximum optimal place, and let's pretend it's linear. It probably isn't, but that's a way we can... Your idea is fine. I'm just operationalizing it pretty poorly. But at least something like that. So let's bring that in, too. Experience, number of years working is easier for us to measure, so we use that. So now we've explained more variance in income. Our goal, of course, eventually would be to explain all of the variance. But if we can explain, I don't know, 75%, we'd be pretty happy. I just picked that number out of nowhere, but 75%, if we can explain 75% of the variance in something, we can make a pretty damned accurate prediction. This, in fact, is how 
Um, if you know the website over the last two American election cycles, 538, so it's, uh, and it's, it's 538.com, run by Nate Silver. Nate uses, uh, one of the tools he uses to predict elections is multiple regression. And he has variables in it like how the polls are going, which is, of course, completely sensible. But he's also got variables in it, very interesting ones that nobody had ever thought of before for predicting things. The Starbucks to Walmart ratio in a state. And you would think, what? Well, that tells you something about the people, doesn't it? We can sit here and imagine what it's telling them, but the, the, if you think of, and it turns out, the more Democratic-leaning states have a higher Starbucks to Walmart ratio than the more Republican-leaning states. <coughs> he looked at economic indicators. And one of the interesting things is his model, and that's what we, call, we call these things a model, his model predicted in 2008 that North Carolina was going to go to the Democrats before any polls predicted it. And that's why he got 49 out of 50 states correct in 2008, and that's why he got all 50 correct in 2012. It's because he used statistics. And now he's a multimillionaire. Also, he predicts baseball and hockey. He basically has my dream job. He's a multi-millionaire statistics geek who likes politics and sports. But he's just using the inferential statistics and a few other interesting uh, things that if you go to grad school, you'd learn about those kind of things, Monte Carlo simulations now. It's very cool. Very cool. It's a nice website. It's, he, called, he just restarted it. He calls it data journalism because instead of just saying stuff, he actually has statistical predictions and models and actual data. It's a wacky idea. So this is a sports section, and it's, you know, saying things like, what was it? It was about goaltenders in the NHL in the last 20 years. And it's not like, the pads are too big now. It's actually explaining why players are better. It's really cool. I'm not paid by them. I just like reading them. So you see what we're going to do there is we're just going to bring in new variables to make predictions. Um, so here's the, a general version of what I have up here on the board. y hat equals b sub 0 plus b sub 1 x sub 1 plus b sub 2 x sub 2 plus dot 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 plus b sub p minus 1 x sub p minus 1 plus e. And you're saying, why is it p minus 1? Well, there's two ways I can answer that. Because would be 1. But the other way would be there are p terms in the model. Because the intercept counts as one. Okay? And we have p minus one predictor variables. Okay? As I just said here. Okay, so we have p terms in the model because there's this one extra one here, the constant, which is the, the, the intercept. And then we have p minus one predictor variables. Okay. Questions? All we're doing is we're just adding in more damn variables. We have just one here in the simple case, we we'll call simple regression, where now we could add in 20. It's kind of complicated with 20, but we could add in 20. Okay. So this is for the data set itself. Um, these are actually, uh, these are statistics, of course. They aren't parameters. Unlike, remember when I showed you the, you know, the, uh, x equals b plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon? Those are, those are, those are parameters. 
These are statistics about, about a data set. They aren't parameters about the population. This is prediction error. There is no error in a population. There can't be. So if we wanted to look at the population, which you hardly ever do, it actually looks like this. It's big Y equals beta sub 0 plus beta sub 1 x sub 1. It's a capital X, if you know it there. Plus beta sub 2 x sub 2 plus dot 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 plus beta sub p minus 1 x sub p minus 1 plus epsilon. These are now parameters. We hardly worry about them. The Bs we get, they're coefficients, right? Think back to your high school math. They're just coefficients in front of variables. Like 5x, 3y, those are coefficients. Um, that's the, the, the betas. So you'll sometimes hear people erroneously call, in fact, I believe SPSS does this, erroneously call what you get in regression betas or beta weights. And in fact, they're Bs. The betas are the statistics. They're not the parameters, not the statistics. So this isn't something to worry too much about. The point is, it really is this, because we, we don't know this. If we knew this, we wouldn't have to do this. Okay? By the way, uh, epsilon is, this should be familiar, normal and independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared sub epsilon. It's exactly the same as it is in, in, in ANOVA. Oh, by the way, epsilon is not prediction error. It is individual variation. This is not an error. There are no errors in populations. This is not a prediction. This is saying the world works like this, that this is a linear combination of these things. Questions so far? Okay, good. Good. Again, no, this is not, this is big Y. This is not predicted Y, Y hat. That's not what this is. This is not a prediction. This is saying this is how the universe works. If, we, if it was something about, say, your salary, it would say your salary equals some constant, that's beta sub zero, plus some number here, times your IQ, plus some number here times the latitude you live at, plus some number times blah, 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 blah. All added up together. This is not a prediction. So what do we get when we do this? If we have P minus 1 predictors, we get a line, don't we? We saw this the other day. P minus 1 equals 1. get a line. It's a prediction line. Right? Now, if you haven't downloaded the notes, see if you can answer this question. What do you get if P, minus, if P minus 1 equals 2? If you have two predictors. Sort of noise up there. I'm always concerned something's going to start happening in this room, this building, man. There are leaks and stuff already in this building. I've been in a meeting in this building, and then we had a great big bucket as water just rushed into it. So pieces of metal just come off the desks constantly. Oh, I know, I know. It's just it's a, it's the, the, the level of construction it's in this really building is amazing. This is a great place to go to school if you're listening from other parts of the world, but just be careful. Just wear a helmet, and you'll be fine. Helmet and perhaps a wetsuit. Um, be sure to buy into the insurance. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> you should have bought into the student health insurance program. Uh, for those of you in the States, it's kind of like, you know, thanks, Obama. Um, <laughs> so, okay. P minus 1 is 1. We get a line. What do we get with P minus 2? P minus 1 equals 2. Think about it. What do we get? Here we have a line. As you can see. What do we get if we have one x, one y variable, and two x variables? You want to say curve, don't you? Because you quietly said, it. I heard you. I can't see with the crap I can hear. I'm not hearing something I don't either, but I do understand what you're saying. Why would you get a curve, you think? You just guess. Yeah, okay. That's fine. At least you tried. <laughs> That's wrong, by the way. <laughs> Okay, guys. I have the notes on my computer. So. Yeah, I know you. Well, yeah. Steve, so does Jesse. Okay. <laughs> so think about this: if you've got x variables, you got an x going this way, another x coming out that way. The only other dimension you could have is this is coming out at you in three D. Oh. So what are you going to get now? You're going to get a plane, right, or a surface. Remember doing this in high school. Uh, you remember doing XYZ coordinates? No. They not teach you that anymore? <laughs> they don't teach you guys anything anymore, do you? They just say, there's Google, just try that. And they just sit there for 45 minutes. Go to the next class where they say, try using Google. Right? Or in the poorer schools, they tell you to use Alta Vista. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. Well played. Think about this. Okay, I'm going to use my iPad here. And say, whereas I'm so high-tech that I just use an iPad as a teaching demonstration tool. There's a line. Now we've got that's the axis going that way. Now we've got an axis coming this way. Ooh. It's a surface. Or, or a plane. That's not a surface. It's an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you fell. Um, it's my class, I do the jokes. Um, that was actually quite good. If P minus 1 equals is greater than 2, we get a hyperplane in hyperspace. And I just like saying that. Right? Spin, spin up the faster than light engines, Mr. Gata. Make a jump in the ship and you do your job. That was uh, Captain Adama. Or Admiral, I guess, eventually, right? In the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Or you go with Babylon 5, hyperspace, have a little hyperspace in Babylon 5. What is happening? Or, or Star Trek, where they so use warp drive. Sci-fi references. Yeah, there's sci-fi references. Just, you should get this too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he feels a lot No one saw what that was on, on the audio. No one saw me give you the finger. Um, it's great. Did you see hear that Seinfeld thing about giving the finger, the whole bit he does, and he says, you know, I, I'm not offended by that. If someone gave me the toe, I would be offended. Because <laughs> the amount of effort it would take, you have to take off your boot, take off your shoes, take off your, your, your sock, and then put your foot out the window and try to raise one toe higher than the rest. I'd be really offended by that because the amount of effort the person took. Um, so I can imagine this. I can imagine a line. It's easy. I can imagine lines. Hey, look, I drew one. I can imagine surfaces. Right? Because I, I can think of something moving like that and then having... I cannot imagine something in four dimensions. 
Now, my old stats prof, Ian, uh, used to say, well, all you have to do is just think of the fourth dimension is time. And what's happening is it's just moving around in time. Said, yeah, that's really helpful, Ian. I can't do that. He said, and then you can even add another dimension. A fifth, all you have there is it changes color. Like this? Yeah. There you go. I just looked up hyperplane. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. I, I, that, that doesn't help. The thing it is, they don't help me at all. So I know I'm always telling you try to visualize things, try to make things intuitive. At this point, I try to stop that. Unless you have the ability to think in higher than three dimensions, I not do it. Um, I will say that one of the things we worry about when we're doing regression is the, how understandable the, the, the regression model is to the reader. And make, going from two, which, which you can even draw, you can draw a 3D graph. I hate 3D graphs because usually the third dimension isn't used, it's just there to give it depth for some reason. But if you, it's actually a variable, I, they're great. But you can't, in a journal article or a slide for a talk, draw an animated four-dimensional graph that just makes any sense. You could, it just wouldn't make any sense. So moving this far is a big deal. Like I said, try not to visualize a hyperplane. Uh, it, it, it could damage you. This close to exams, too. We could find out if our regression model is significant with analysis of variance. Ha 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 ha! You thought it was gone and it's back, baby. It's back and better than ever. Well, look, it's variance. We're going to analyze it. We've got to call it something. We're going to call it Steve. But analysis of variance is a better name. We have variance due to regression. That's all this. And we got variance due to residual. That's this. Okay. And we're going to see if we've explained a significant amount of variance greater than zero. Okay. So this is what we get. Oh, that, that's right. This that screws up fine. Okay. We get a source of variation called regression, which has P minus 1 degrees of freedom. And the sum, we have sum of squares. The, the, the mean square is sum of squares regression divided by P minus 1. I, I made this cell too small. Um, the residual is N minus P. And it's sum of squares residual divided by P minus by n minus p, that's wrong. All kinds of mistakes here. <laughs> so that's this divided by this. It's sum of squares residual divided by p minus 1. And then this is correct, <laughs> mean squared regression over mean squared residual. By the way, this will always be significant. If this isn't, you quit. If you can't find a variable that explains enough variance greater than 0, you weren't trying very well, very hard. Right? So it's about the whole model. And right here, the whole model isn't much. But if we got four predictor variables, it bloody well better explain it, uh, uh, more than zero variance. This is not about the individual variables, the Bs. Oh, sorry, the Xs. That's not what this is about. Okay? And that's really what we care about. Because 
If it is the case that latitude matters, we want to know if that's greater than zero. Because if the B for latitude is zero, that means it doesn't have any effect on your income. So this is about, this is about one big thing that's the sum of all its parts. We are really more interested in the parts themselves. Okay? We're more interested in the parts themselves. So for a finer grained analysis, we, have, we would want, I mean, like I said, the whole model better be significant, or we, could, we just should quit. So we are much more interested with how much extra variation is accounted for by adding that extra variable in the model. By bringing in x2, did we explain a significantly, uh, significantly more variance in y? So what we get when we do the overall thing the overall um, regression, uh, sorry, the analysis of variance on the regression, is we get a, a quantity called big R squared. Big R squared is sum of squares regression over sum of squares total. Okay? Sum of squares regression over sum of squares total. Now, if you add... If you have a variable with five x variables, so it's b1 times x1, b2 times x2, b3 times x3, b4, that you get your big hyperplane deal, you can't imagine it. And you add in a sixth variable, does r squared go up? Well, it has to. Because you can't be, remember variance is always a positive number. Because it's a squared thing. That was shared variance. How could it go down? It would have to be negative. It can't. It could stay the same if it shared absolutely no variance with y. That's possible, but exceedingly unlikely. So it's going to go up. The question is, did it go up by enough that it's interesting? <coughs> and not just, and this is a little preview of what's to come, but not just did it go up significantly more than zero, because what if we've explained 50% of the variance, then we explain another 1%. Who cares? Even if it's significantly greater than zero, who gives a crap? We already explained 50% of the variance with one variable. Oh, now 51 with two. So, right? I've gone from a line that everybody can understand suddenly to a plane that people go, I don't know what planes. Let's keep it in a line. So that's the kind of question we ask ourselves when we do multiple regression. Have we not only explained a significant amount of variance, but statistically, but a practically significant amount of variance. In other words, do we care? So part of building a regression model isn't just science. It's also kind of art-like. It's the closest thing this class ever comes to art. That or the line. It's pretty arty. Because I like science. <laughs> Can't talk now, Flanders. I've got a plane to catch. So uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. We'll continue talking about this. I believe you had a quiz coming up, right? One more. Last one, right? Is that right? On Tuesday. Thanks, guys.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.